We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Food for thought. Happy New Year. Thanks for sticking with us for another season right here on Not Your Mama's Podcast is what my buddy Chief Justice 06 likes to call what we got going on here. What's going on, Will Priester? I see some fireworks in the background. Happy New Year, my friend. Yeah, man. Got the fireworks going. Happy New Year to everybody. It's food for thought. It's 2024. We made it. And guess what, folks? The more things change, the more things stay the same. The No Faith League was in full effect yet again over the weekend, folks. We're going to go over our recap. I'm not going to go over every game. I'm just going to go over our No Faith games of the week. Obviously, I don't think this one is as obvious, but because of the score, Luke, I think I need to highlight it. Falcons run into Soldier Field and get throttled by the Chicago Bears, 37-17. Oh, man, Arthur Smith might be out of a job real soon. Uh, no faith league in full effect. The Dolphins run into Baltimore 56 19, and they are who we thought they were. Luke, they're going to beat the teams they should beat, but when they have to play upper echelon competition, they can't get it done. I all I wanted to see, Luke, was a close enough game. If this game ended 28 24, the defense held its own, you would not hear me saying this today. But we thought the defense had, had, had made some strides 
and they did have some injuries in that game. Pour one out for Bradley Chubb. Super sorry about that. Luke's 56-19 isn't going to get it done. This team is in the playoffs. They might get bounced the first round. No fake league. Baltimore, 56-19, looking like the best team in the NFL. This, this is a, a, a no-faith league honorable mention, Lutz. Saints come up and beat the Buccaneers 23-13 on the road. Buccaneers get this done. They were pretty much controlling their own destiny, winning the NFC South, going to the playoffs. Now we've got a fight to the finish in week 18. Saints 23-13. Uh, none bigger than this one, Lutz. No-faith league game of the week. Cardinals go into Philly. Come out victorious, 35-31. Eagles faltering yet again. Going to be in control of the NFC South, uh, excuse me, NFC East. But, boy, do they not look good going into the playoffs, Luch. They might get bounced the first round as well. No faith league, Luch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one. 49ers, yes, they did have to go on the road. I think we all expected them to put a beat down on Washington. 27-10 respectable. Christian McCaffrey went down in that game. We understand that. But, Luch, I think we expected the 49ers to put a little bit more of a spanking on the commanders. Nevertheless, they come out with the W. Last but not least, because I think everything else that we saw this week, we expected Steelers come out victorious against the Seahawks, solidifying another successful, and when I say successful, another non-losing season for Mike Tomlin, 30 to 23. That's our No Faith League recap for week 17. Just to touch on the Eagles, Cowboys, NFC East, if the Cowboys win on this coming Sunday, uh, they win the division. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. The Cowboys kind of control their own destiny there with a the tiebreaker. We'll get to the Eagles, but let's backtrack and start with the Baltimore Ravens, who are. One of our two tier one teams. I mean, I'm not ready to knock San Fran out of tier one. I think those are the two tier one teams. And I think there's a large gap, as we've talked on the show, where there's probably eight teams in tier two. And just, you know, first of all, masterclass game from Lamar Jackson. He is the unofficial MVP. No question about it. I'm glad we had a really nice discussion about Lamar and uh, the the different version of the Tom Brady type heroics that he brings to the organization in terms of covering up other holes. Uh, you know, a good friend, uh, the, the commission was on the pod last week. W what a game, but just about Miami, they are firmly a tier two team. If, and I can say the same thing for a lot of these quote unquote food for thought tier two teams that we've had so much fun with, whether it's Miami, um, nothing has changed in my eyes about uh, Detroit and, and maybe Dallas, to be honest with you, but probably more so Detroit like it's a good fun thought to have those teams in the Super Bowl. They have talent. If all of the cards and if all of the matchups broke out in their favor where it was their strength against an opponent weakness, they could get to a Super Bowl. Like I feel like all these, you know, second tier teams are super volatile. Uh but they're clearly they clearly don't have enough to compensate from the holes and the issues that they have on their team. I'm sorry. Tua's a nice quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson. And Tua can't mask all the other holes um, you know, that Miami has. And, you know, we are finally in their little gauntlet of schedule. 
we've talked about so many times on this show. Can't wait to see Miami the last couple of weeks of the season. Uh, super excited to see Miami when they have some real competition. And you know what? They've just been brutal. They've just been brutal. Against, let's see here. Um, well, Miami has gotten significantly outscored by Philly, Buffalo, uh, and Baltimore. Um, blown out by Buffalo early this season. Blown out by Baltimore last week. Um, the Eagles game wasn't a blowout. And honestly, you know, who are we to gauge where the Eagles are at this point either in terms of their inconsistencies? But let me ask you um, this, Luke. Randomly, while you're in the middle of that thought, I, I have my answer. I just want to get a feel on your answer. If Jalen Waddle plays in this game, how many how many points more do you think the Dolphins score? I have a number in mind. And once again, the defense cost them this game for, for what it's worth. Like, I don't, you know, two or three some interceptions, don't get me wrong, but like the defense gave up 56 points. So it, it, there's no, there's, if, if the defense was where we, we wanted it to be, Luke, then I think we would have seen them limit the scoring of, of the Ravens. So I, I, I do want to put that out there. My question though is Jalen Waddle plays, how many more points do you give the Dolphins when they've got both of their book end? Wide receiver. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough to act to put a number on it in that scenario. I mean, Jalen Waddle played against the Bills, right? Jalen Waddle was banged up, but he played you know at least a half against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle's played most of the season, and Miami's identity is who they are. And um, I made a really a good or bad analogy based on how you look at it, but just Miami needs some more Dan Campbell, and the Lions need some more Mike McDaniel. It just seems like Miami needs the grit and you know Detroit needs the creativity. And they tried to get they tried to get Super Mike McDaniel ish Detroit did on Saturday and we'll get there. They they went like you know, mega Mike McDaniel, like Galaxy Brain Mike McDaniel at the end of that game and maybe they should have won the game. I don't know, but getting back to Baltimore, I, I just think they're a, a you know, I think Mike McDaniel's a great coach. He he hits it off with his players it seems on a level that is kind of unprecedented. Like, he defines players' coach. You know, you hear the guy is so laid back. He's not afraid to get up there, curse a little bit, kind of be kind of like be one of the bros, but at the same time, they respect the hell out of him. Um, you yeah. know, I caught some of the hard knocks clips. But I saw a note about Baltimore, and I don't really think Jalen Waddle would have mattered. Not, you know, as you mentioned, it was a defensive thing. But um, Ken McCusick from 105.7 The Fan of Baltimore uh, made a really nice note here on Twitter. Uh, that Tua was getting the ball out early, but the Ravens adjusted. After halftime on Sunday, according to Ken on Twitter, uh, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald of Baltimore didn't use any five-plus rush on the blitz, didn't blitz from off the ball, didn't call any stunt, uh, and he employed, and he did not employ any simulated uh, pressure. So uh, after halftime, 3.1 yards per play in Miami. So... He I mean, said, have, "Hey, if you want to beat us, you're gonna to have to throw. You're gonna to have to throw the football, and you're gonna to have to earn it." That's basically what they said. And, you, know, you know, we know you're doing quick stuff, so we're not gonna we're not gonna give you the quick stuff. And how great is it to see coaches not be stubborn? It's unbelievable. Uh, we talked about Buffalo a couple couple weeks ago, and Joe Brady. I love that quote from Joe Brady when you know maybe they were a little premature in getting rid of Ken Dorsey, but you know Joe Brady said, "I call a game, I don't call the plays." He's not afraid to, you know, get off the game plan if the defense is giving him a different look than he expected. Um, and you don't always see that. You see some very stubborn coaches, as I know you're going to get into at some point. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and look, 
and this is where what we talk about, Lucha, we say coaches make the league. Now, here's the thing. I think Miami, I do think they're a good football team for what it's worth, but they just can't, they're not top tier right now. And I think they're fine with that as long as they keep building, right? I think Tua can get them to a championship within the right situation. You know what I mean? But like guys have to stay healthy and they probably, they're probably going to need to add a few more pieces to their defense to, for, for this to, to really come together. What I will say, though, is this, and this is about tier one, tier two, tier three. The Ravens are have been showing you now, Luch, for an extended period of time, why they are a tier one football team. Like, they, they just throttled a tier one football team, and then they come in and just demolish a tier two football team. And they, and look, yeah, I, I, I know they, you know, kind of got in this shootout with the Rams because it's football, right? Like things aren't going to go perfect week to week to week. But if the Ravens are playing lower level competition, I mean, it's going to be a beatdown. But it's going to be a beatdown because of Lamar Jackson. Here's the thing, Luke. Like, think about this. If you take Tua and send him to Baltimore, does Baltimore have the same level of success? I don't think so. No, I I don't think so. If you take Lamar Jackson and send him to Miami, Luch, they may not lose any football games. That's not an exaggeration. He's the weapons in Miami is something that he's never had. You get what I'm saying? Think about Tom Brady. And and I I know we we kind of went over this last year. I mean, last week, this will be my last statement about the, the Ravens and I'll let it go. Tom Brady left New New England, went down to Tampa Bay. He had a, a handful of weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and a, and a, and a band of brothers. Offensive line was okay. I'm not going to call it. It's okay. And they won a Super Bowl. Luch, I think Lamar Jackson, in terms of, Okay, my last statement here. If you take Lamar Jackson off the Ravens, I don't think they're tier one. And that's that's the effect we're talking about with Lamar. And I think he's just doing it such a different way. Now, yesterday, Luch, we saw it with the pass. I think Lamar had like 324 and five touchdowns or something crazy. But week to week, Luch, what you're seeing is, you know what? You know how I feel about this, but if I'm going to say it about Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to say it about Lamar. Lamar is an electrifying football player, but he's also a game manager. See, see what a lot of times we use game managers as a negative term to say, oh, guys aren't doing this or guys aren't pushing the ball down the field. Or guys, aren't. But the same reason I call Aaron Rodgers a game manager is because he just knew how to win football games. He wasn't going to light the world on fire with stats, right? But he could get you wins during a season. Now, whether or not he could get it done in the playoffs is is something, TBD. I'm saying long-term. But during the season, Aaron Rodgers could pick up wins, Luke. That's why you always saw 10 wins, 11 wins. He could get wins without the gaudy numbers. Why? Because he wouldn't have the turnovers. 
he would make sure he had the team in positions to win football games by keeping the turnovers down and con continuing to move the chains in his way. If you look at Lamar, same thing for Tom Brady. If you and, I, and I'm not saying like so, I'm using game manager today in the term of a positive way. If you got a quarterback that can take care of the football, and Lamar did have a fumble problem at some point. So I don't want to. I don't want to do it. He did have a fumble problem, but an interception problem has not really been his thing. Lamar knows how to keep the game alive. Second and thirteen. Instead of throwing that ball into trouble, Lamar will say, "Well." I'll take the four or five yards rushing that I can get or the eight yards rushing and get out of bounds. And then we'll come back and, and get back to the next play. Instead of me pushing the ball down the field in the triple coverage with Zay Flowers as an example, you, you see what I'm saying? So understanding, Hey, how do I help my team win is a, is a big part of playing the quarterback position. And I think Lamar has really uh, elevated in that area where some quarterbacks that maybe we don't think about have not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's fair to – just to counter counter your point, play a little devil's advocate here. I don't know if it's fair to label Lamar a game manager because he might not have the gaudy numbers. Oh, can they win down 10? Can they win from behind? I think they can, and obviously it's not a pass-first offense as much as, much as um, you know, Ted Monk. And maybe there was a perception that you know, people thought he was going was gonna to come in and – you know, Lamar's dropping back 45, 50 times a game. And no, that, that wasn't I think really he made it case. comfortable for him, though. He made it as functional as it could be uh, when it's necessary. And, yeah. you know, the thing about Lamar, okay, you're down 10 late. Well, if the defense wants to play quarters coverage with three down linemen, Lamar's going to pick up nine, 10 yards in the ground, three, four plays, like you said. Um, and he can cover 50 yards in the football field in about, you know, 40 seconds before you know it, they're inside enemy territory. And, Lamar had zero passing yards the last four plays, but you know here we are. So yeah, he had. And he once again, Luch, I wasn't trying to use game manager in the neck. That's why I said it's it's not in a negative sense. It's just I think we've we've and I, I'm a I'm a uh, uh, a victim of this. We use game manager in such a negative way, right? But understanding game situation, I need to take care of the football here. We need to move the chain. Like that's. You need to have some game manager in you to be a successful quarterback. Like, this is why Jameis Winston is a backup. If he had a little bit more game manager in him, Jameis might be one of the greatest quarterbacks of this decade. But he doesn't have enough game manager in him. So believe it or not, this was Josh Allen's problem. Prior to, he didn't have enough game manager to balance it out. Like, you need both to be successful. I think Lamar's football IQ has grown exponentially since he's came in the league, right? And, Incredible. Incredible. And um and I I'm a big Josh Allen guy. Of course this year I got the thirty five to one ticket in my back pocket. So but yeah, he still has a lot of that gunslinging mentality, but you gotta take the bad with the good when it comes to uh Josh Allen. And we're we're not here to say that Lamar doesn't commit turnovers. He had, he had a bit of a TO problem early in the season, but you know, he was trying to do a lot. If there's any silver lining here. Uh, the Baltimore has a good problem to have with Isaiah Likely. They're going to have to figure out a way to get him more involved um, you know, next season with Mark Andrews on the field together. And why not? He's been incredible. I mean, maybe they're kicking themselves for not incorporating him you know, a little more early in the season or, or last year. We saw him fill in for Andrews you know, uh, on occasion in the past. But 
I don't want to see Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, two big bodies who can also block, and then you have to worry about them, uh, you know, in the pass game as well. I'm not saying it's the Gronk, uh, Aaron Hernandez, you know, two tight end type set of a threat, but in this day and age when you got Lamar, you know, but then again, that team didn't have legs back there. They had Tom Brady. So you give me two tight ends who are receiving threats like that with Lamar back there. Woo. Imagine if, they, imagine if Baltimore Luch. is able to add one more solidified, you know, bona fide wide receiver one in the offseason. I mean, Zay Flowers is incredible, but he just kind of strikes me as like that that slot guy, the speedster. Like uh, he needs a complimentary big body piece on the outside, I feel like. And that would be scary. Luch, let me tell you something. I think Todd Monken, Munkin is going to have the best, most interesting offseason of any offense we've seen in the NFL. When you've got Isaiah Likely and, and like, why don't you, Luch, I don't see any reason why you don't try to incorporate both of these guys on the field and let's say 40% of your offense at this point. And the reason why I'm saying that, Luch, is Likely's quick enough. He can split out. Like, these are, th- these are good problems to have. And I, I'm going to trust that Monkey says, you know what, guys? Hey, listen, we're going to have to figure out a way to get both of these guys going in every game, not just when Andrews is down. Because if so, loose distance is going to help elevate Lamar's weapons. Like, so, so hear me out here. At this point, if they could get Likely and Andrews going, like I said, 40 to 50% of the snaps together, they're going to have Zay Flowers because he's on a rookie deal, obviously, so he's going to be there. Maybe they go out and get another wide receiver. Like, I think OBJ should come back. Um, and Luch, and then he, he – but, but watch this. He could be a guy that plays 50% of the snaps. That would protect him. That would have him fresh for the playoffs. And Luch, they could really open up this, this offense. Like you said, they get one more big piece or mid-range piece. Because if you can play Likely and Andrews and Flowers together – you get one more of these wide receivers. Now, I know they got Bateman and Aguilar and all these guys, but imagine if, as an example, they could get a, their hands on a Devontae Adams. As an example. Now, Devontae, I don't think Devontae would have the same numbers, but I think he would be okay with that, understanding that, hey, I got a chance to win here, buddy. And and just as an example, Luch, if you had to deal with Devontae, Flowers, uh, Andrews, Likely, Lamar, Gus the bus, I don't think he's going anywhere. Like it would be it would be a problem, Luch, on every turn. I, I, I like the ideology there. I think Todd Monkey's got a good, good, good problems to have in the offseason. Yeah, and I mean just looking at 2024, there are eight teams currently negative in cap space that are gonna have some trouble in the offseason and figuring some things out. Uh, Baltimore's not one of them. They don't have a ton of room. They're 21st and uh cap space according to uh spot track spot track spot track spot track.com i don't know i'm on it a lot and i still don't know how to pronounce it but anyway they are you know they aren't in cap hell uh, so maybe they could get a nice little one two-year deal with a mike evans like that's the, the i know you oh, said Devontae adams but boy does that, oh man does that scream red zone help does that scream like red zone help between you know we take mark andrews out of the picture you know you don't have like a dominant red zone enforcer. I mean, he's making it work, but if Mike Evans went to Baltimore, Luch, I I just 
doesn't that fit like a glove, right? Oh like a, man. And yeah. and and he's and, and he's and he's not one of those diva wide receivers anyway. All he does is go out there and put up thousand yard seasons every year. Like he's been durable, doesn't get hurt a lot. Not, not a lot. He doesn't miss a lot of get like lose. Ultra Man. competitor, not a head case. He'll lead. Yeah, we'll see. I, it, it it seems like he would fit into the culture well there because he he seems like on the surface to be a head down, put in the work type of player. If he's willing to take, you know, a one, two year deal, right? I mean, it's going to come down to, you know, he's on the other side of 30. It's crazy to say that, by the way, that one, the fact that Mike Evans is, is I heard someone say future hall of famer, Mike Evans last month. And I was like, Holy shit. Not that I disagree with it. Not that I disagree with it. Just the fact that he's, I feel like he's still catching balls from Johnny Manziel at A&M. I feel like that was yesterday. Yeah. he. That's so man. That's the crazy part about it. That's why I love this podcast, Luch. Like, just being able to let our hair down and just talk football as a fan from time to time. And, look, I love DFS. I love Pickham. I, I, but just being able to talk about it as a fan. Folks, listen, Mike Evans, seriously, might go down as one of the greatest non-diva wide receivers in the history of the NFL. This, this is not an exaggeration. Like, if you think about non-diva wide receiver, there's only a handful, in my opinion. Non-diva wide, but but just think about his approach, how he's worked. You don't see him complain. You, you look, he's going to get in, into it with Lattimore every game when they play against the Saints. He's going to get ejected, but that's just one thing. Outside of that, Luch, to put up that many consecutive thousand-yard seasons with all the quarterbacks he's had. Right, and, and, and people – uh, there's, there's probably a, a slim majority that will say, well, when he had Jameis Winston, they were terrible. The negative game script, he was throwing 50 times a game. Well, Tom Brady, they had neutral and positive game scripts, and he was putting up – I know Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but you can throw the game script thing out of the window with, well, Mike Evans, you know, number. He's, he's unbelievable. And uh, that's – the non-diva thing is really funny, I'm sure – most of you listening, and I'm sure you, Chief, have saw the Richard Mendenhall, Will Compton stuff. Maybe we could have a diva versus non-diva uh, all time all-star teams and see. <laughs> diva is pretty subjective, but we know we can find them. And you know, there's still some guys. Stephon Diggs, diva wide receiver. Yeah. AJ Brown, mm. diva wide receiver. Diva versus non-diva. I like that. Maybe we'll have to okay. put some lineups together for the next pod. Okay. Um, let, let me let me guess what me, Devontae Adams, believe it or not, diva wide receiver. Is he? Do, do they just want to win? I mean, haven't heard much since they've been winning. Diva wide receiver. The divas are pretty loaded already, and we just named three three people. Yeah, so Mike, 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 so Mike Evans leads the non diva wide receiver. Well, no, no, there's some others. Oh, Cooper, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is going to go in the non diva. Puka wide receiver care. Puka's going to go in the non diva. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our, our guys from San Francisco, Debo, IU, they're going in the non diva yeah. category. Yeah. Believe it, believe it or not, CD Lamb's going to go in the non diva. You have, have you ever heard CD Lamb complain? Amon Ra, Amon Ra, you see what I'm saying? But but, but remember, <laughs> these guys don't have the body of work that Mike Evans has yet. Okay, so what's Tyreek Hill? See, so here's the thing. Tyreek doesn't really complain either, but Tyreek's kind of in this middle ground because 
he has to go and defend his quarterback probably more than anybody. Out of all the out of all the wide receivers in the league, Tyreek might have to defend two or more than anybody. You ever watch Ballers on HBO with The Rock? You ever watch that series? I haven't. I, that's what I got to get into. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't mind that. One of the main characters, <clears throat> Ricky Jarrett, he plays the diva wide receiver. He's one of uh, the clients of the of Dwayne in the show. Dwayne's mm-hmm. like the sport agent. And he just plays the best diva wide receiver role. I mean, he just gets in the most ridiculous situations, you know, goes out to the club, accidentally gets in a fight, you know, knocks up some chick. And then, you know, they're going crazy and all this stuff. Give me he, he gives me Antonio Brown vibes like it's such a great such a great show. I don't like how that series ended. Antonio Brown goes in the diva wide receiver category, but he but when he was on his one. How good was he, though? Oh, he's God. the one point one of diva wide receivers, though. <laughs> yeah. Randy but he's not Moss, current. He's he's not in Randy the league, though, so we don't got to worry about him. In the, in the diva wide receiver category. Well, I mean, okay. listen, just just I, but that's what I'm saying. Just comparatively, um, uh, Ocho Cinco probably goes in there. Oh yeah, of course. Um, Terrell Owens, To probably goes in the diva wide receiver <laughs> category. However, Jerry Rice does not. Non diva. Wide receiver category, I think. But anyway, we don't want to listen. Now, now we're getting historical. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a bonus. Hopefully, hopefully, some of you guys that listen to this pod appreciated some of the older guys and, and the history. And you know, I just, I, I love the game. So anyway, Luch, I want to hop to something here. I want to call this one. Maybe let's call this one our standings segment. And we talked about this a little bit last week, Luch. What in the world is going on in Cleveland? Is this sustainable? I mean, they're eleven and five. Like, and Luke, you know, this was my this was my sneaky underdog from the beginnings, from the first podcast all the way through. This has been my sneaky team all season. I didn't expect us to have to get Joe Flacco in the end to carry this team to the finish line. Luke, they're eleven and five. Have That's already hard. clinched the wild card. And the, the, to me, Luke, this the offense was essentially unlocked with Joe Flacco. Yes, it was. And, and I just, I think what they've been able to do. Hear me out here, uh, Luke. Stefanski, I think, should be in running for coach of the year. I, I don't look. Say what you want. This team is 11 and 5 with all the turmoil they've had at quarterback all season. Luch, they've had probably some of the biggest wins in football. That's that's not that's not an, that's not an exaggeration here. Week one, yeah, I know Joe Burrow's down, beat them 24 to 3. Beat the Titans 27 to 3. They did they did lose to the Ravens 28 to 3. But then, loose they beat them 33-31 the next time around in Baltimore. They beat the 49ers at home. They beat the Browns. They, I mean, I'm not the Browns, excuse me. Uh, they beat the Steelers. They, they beat Luce. They've beaten the 49ers and the Ravens. Yep. They're 11 and 5. That Ravens game was crazy when they, there were so many turnovers in the, in the second half. I, that's football. Um but Luke, you're right. 
those are two we're calling them tier one teams how many tier one teams have we said we have in the nfl two how many have they beaten they've beaten both of them one of them is in their division and they had to go on the road to do it i don't i don't think he's going to get it luch but i would be banging the drum right now for stefanski as coach of the year with having to do this with four different quarterbacks and joe flacco coming down to Joe Flacco at the end, leading them into a wild card spot. Losing Nick Chubb, losing – lose. They, they, they may have lost Elijah Moore here. Amari Cooper didn't play the last game, and they still just went and just beat down – look, it was the Jets. I get it. But it was still a beatdown. Luch, I think Stefanski should win Coach of the Year, and I don't think he's going to get it. But he should. He's earned it. I don't know why that defense that defense on paper is nasty, and if that thing travels in the postseason, it's going to be trouble. I I feel like you know they're very inconsistent. They've shown their identity at times, and maybe some of it was poor field position, and they were just gassed when you know the rookie the kid was starting, or they had some poor quarterback play. Even Deshaun Watson was terrible when he played this year. I mean, let's just call it how it is. No, he was. And, My last point here, Luch, about the Browns. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. What's the Browns' record? Is that a rhetorical question? I, I do want you to answer it for, for our listeners. I do want you to answer it. So they are, what, 11-5? and five? Name me two other teams that have a better record than the Browns in the AFC right now. Uh, I can only name one, Baltimore, right? And they're tied with Miami. There's only one team in the AFC that has a better record than Cleveland, and it's in their own division. Luke, how does he not? How does Stefanski not win Coach of the Year? It's crazy. Crazy. Maybe they're tied well. with Miami. The Chiefs are 10 and 6. The Bills are 10 and 6. And they, if they were in the AFC South, they would have already clinched the division. Everybody there is 9 and 7 except the Titans. Sorry, pour one out for your Titans, Luke incredible and look it's just incredible what he's done with this team 11 and 5 luch i would not be shocked if the browns went to the super bowl i mean if with, they with, get past baltimore they go to the super bowl honestly this, Bal- this is what it is cleveland has to be the one team baltimore does not want because they're so familiar they with each other them. yes but first of all the joe flacco thing Cleveland is actually throwing the ball 8% more in neutral pass situations the last five weeks. So unlocked, whatever term you want to use, they're just not being held back anymore by, you know, uh, whoever the, the true, the carousel of starting quarterbacks Cleveland had testament, testament to hitting some draft picks, the depth, you know, Jerome Ford, more than serviceable. Yeah. You bring in Kareem Hunt to fill in the gaps. You know, Mari Cooper's doing his thing. Hopefully Elijah Moore has a, a speedy recovery. I mean, that was brutal, hard to watch. You know, I don't even, you know, forget playing football. Hopefully he's just okay. Um, yeah. But the emergence of David and Joku was kind of a necessity for this team to really to, you know, may, sustain the level of play they've been enjoying. But you know, it comes down to some bookends they have on the offensive line, Joel Batonio uh, and Wyatt Teller. You have one beast on the left side, one beast on the right side. Um, and, you know, those guys are glue up front and, I mean, come on, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome, solid on the outside. 
you know, probably top five or six cornerback tandem when they're both healthy. So Darius Smith, Miles Garrett's a beast. Um, you know, Anthony Walker when he's healthy, also good. Uh, th- it's just a well-rounded team, and we've seen crazier things happen. I think Cleveland is live, especially with how open the AFC is. And uh, this is the No Faith League, right? I mean, we saw Baltimore absolutely handle San Fran in California. We've seen Baltimore getting crazy games with Cleveland. We've seen them lose a couple times. We saw the Rams take them to the brink in the rain at home. I know everyone's thinking it's a lock. It's a lock for the Ravens and 49ers, but man, has come on. Has 17 weeks of this taught us anything by now? Luch, listen. If you had to ask me right now, do I think the Browns beat the Ravens? No. But if the Browns were to beat the Ravens in the playoffs, would anybody actually be surprised? I don't think so. I, I listen, Luch, I don't think so. I think everybody would say, hey, man, I think they would go back to your statement, Luch. This is the one team they didn't want to see. And they they saw him at the wrong time. Like, they just saw him at the wrong time. San Francisco, do I think do I think they have an easier path? Not necessarily. Like, I think I think both teams are there, but I think Dallas has a bad taste in their mouth. Hear me out here, Luke. It's just a one-game season at that point. They see Dallas on the wrong day, and it could be troublesome. They get any type of pressure on Purdy. It could be troublesome. Trent Williams can't go. It could be troublesome. Christian McCaffrey, if, if, if something, it could be troublesome. If Debo, like, you know, what I'm just saying, like, even though these are tier one teams, I do think San Francisco is a little less inept to handle injury than Baltimore, for what it's worth, because of the quarterback. I think Lamar can overcome injury deficiencies. He already has. Correct. That's my point. I don't think Purdy can overcome that if the wrong injuries happen. I think Trent Williams is more important than Christian McCaffrey. You could argue, but just in terms of another argument we could have. But yeah, 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 yeah. Just you're right. You're right. And just for time purposes here. We have 10 minutes to talk about two other games. Then we need to talk about some of these crazy week 18 matchups. 10 total minutes. Let's go. Let's break it down in half here. We got to go to Detroit and Dallas. Uh, the, yeah. I'm just going to say one thing. I, I gave out, it was early last week, two plays that caught my attention. I said six and a half too much for Detroit. I hope some people tell that one. They didn't quite get there on the Bengals pick. They were getting, what, six and a half early last week, too, against Kansas City. It was looking good for most of the game. Uh, Bengals couldn't cover the spread. Sorry, folks. Wish we had that had one, too. Had opportunities. Had plenty of opportunities. Did. Yeah, but you know what? Both teams kind of are who I thought. You know, we watched that. They are who we thought they were in those games. Miami was who we thought they were. I didn't. I, no one could predict the way this Dallas Detroit game ended. But you know, I said something like on the pod, like what separates these two teams? Right? One has a good offensive line. One has a really good pass rush. One team's good at running the ball. One team's going to pass the ball. Thought we'd see some one or two explosive pass plays. We got the ninety-yard bomb from CD Lamb. Like, there's Detroit's deficiency. Deer in headlights, 92-yard breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we also saw Detroit have a little bit of success on the ground as well. So, um, boy, oh, boy. I mean, what to say about what to say about the closing se- sequence of that game, Chief? Luke, let me, let me just say, if people listened to the pod last week, I gave a vivid description of how I thought this game would go. Play by play. And guess what? I'll be done if we weren't close. We were close, 
to that description. It just ended up not being like a fourth and two. It ended up being a two-point conversion. But, Luch, what did I tell you last week? It was going to come down to does does the aggressiveness, does the real aggressiveness of Dan Campbell outweigh the fake aggressiveness of Mike McCarthy? You remember, remember I mentioned this? I do. And let me just say, we will. I'll, I'll let you talk more about that last play. I'm going to talk about what I always talk about. And Dan Campbell got too aggressive. His aggressiveness got the best of him. Luch, I know our good friend, Kamish, check him out at Kamish Film Room. I know he put this out and Luch says, uh, is, this a, is this a cheap tweet? If Dan Campbell just kicks a few freaking field goals. Just one. Luch, if, if Dan Campbell kicks just one field goal instead of going for it early in this game, this score ends up being 23-20 to 20 at the end of the game. And now Dallas has to go and say, hey, they have – look, Brandon Arby's great, but Dallas has to try to drive this ball down the field and kick a field goal to tie it to send it to overtime. If they kick the field goal. Because in my mind, so what the thing is, if they kick the field goal early, Luke, it's 22 20, they kick extra point, they're out. Yeah. They don't take the points. Folks, listen, analytics people, I invite you to have a discussion with me on Twitter. There are so many situations loose this season where coaches opt to go for it because, oh, the analytics. Folks, there's I, I'm huge on analytics. That's my good friend, Luke. I love it. But in football, I think sometimes we have to think about how it impacts later in the game. And that's what I always say, right, Luke? Take the points early so you can have a different play-calling thought process later. If you keep taking the points when you can get them, when the game is not out of control, I'm not talking about Luch when it's 28 to zero and it's like, okay, we got to score some points. I'm talking about 10 0, 14 0, even 17 0. You, you need to be trying to take points when you can get them because later on in the game, those points are going to become invaluable. And this is what happened with the Lions. If they took the points early, we're not even having this discussion. The Lions may even win this game. But now we're here on a Monday afternoon talking about a last play debacle when it shouldn't have even happened. Yeah. And back over to you. I mean, I, I'm not, it, it just seems like every hour there's more information leaking about the final play, whether or not. You know, the lineman went over whether or not he was supposed to give a hand signal about it instead of saying something verbally. What Dan Campbell actually ran through before the game with the referees, you know, and talking about exactly what they were going to do. Whoever's fault it was, I don't know. That was a really, really late flag regardless, though. Maybe there was a miscommunication between the referees and the staff. There more than likely was. But here's my devil's advocate about going for it from the seven-yard line. Dak was really good, but it's not like he was perfect. So, I, you know, and I was talking to Andre on Crunch Time yesterday, uh, our 12 o'clock show on RG. He made a good point. Like, from a confidence standpoint, you know, these are my guys. We're going to get this. I want to show all my trust in these guys, 
right? I want this offense to go get this and end the game. Uh, that's really cool. And I, I love that. Like, I would love to play for that. I would love it. I would love to play for you. You believe in us. We're going to go win this game right here. Not in the seven yard line. And this isn't a movie. It's not remember the Titans. It's not any given Sunday. Like this is real life. This isn't a, there's not always going to be a happy ending. You're not always going to, I get it. You're just, just, it's, that was irrational. And there was a lot of memes and a lot of funny tweets about Dan Campbell's tilting. He was stubborn. He was pissed off and he probably was. Um, Dan Campbell's the guy going to the ATM in Vegas at five o'clock in the morning after he lost all of his money. Right? Like, Say what you want to say. I, I the only thing I'm my stance is that you kick the ball from the seven yard line and you show a little faith in Aiden Hutcherson in your defense, you know, who already, you know, they had a big interception early in the game. Like they didn't they weren't completely horrendous. So just the aggressiveness, there's a, a line you have to draw in the sand where it just becomes stupid. And in my opinion, that was a little stupid. And Dan Campbell great motivator and he was not gonna lose the locker room if you kick that extra point it wasn't like a a, a career season altering moment um the players probably more than likely division. understood that's what I'm saying. the division is locked up and so and I, and I remember i told you that i said they probably didn't care the division is already locked up right their I get playoff it. seating is about set so i i understood it conceptually it's like hey win or lose we're good right but my point is, if you just stop being an idiot earlier in the game and take the, the three points, you're not even in this situation. This, this is the problem I have with the NFL coaches right now. Teams that, Luch, yeah, and maybe I need to do a data query on this. Or put some some stuff together, and, and you know what? I might just come up with a uh, with a whole new website, a whole new tilt website. Luch, maybe we just need to start getting field goal kickers on this podcast every week. I don't know. Maybe that's something we can do over the summer. We can just call this the Food for Thought Field Goal Kicker Edition. I don't know, but teams that winning teams take the field goals when they have to take the field goals. We talked about the week before Miami kicked five five field goals and beat Dallas 22-20. We've seen the Ravens kick five and six field goals in a game. We've seen tons of teams do this. Luch, the Texans won 26-23 yesterday. Those weren't all touchdowns. Kymie Fairbairn is an active field goal kicker, Luch. Very active. As good as C.J. Stroud has been, what does D'Amico Ryan say? Folks, let's take some points. And they've won football games by taking the points. How many games have they won by a field goal? One, you know, they keep you keep taking the points. And I think, and Detroit, nothing has changed about my stance between Detroit and Dallas. There might be the the smallest gap among all gaps between Dallas and Detroit. But if Detroit gets on, Detroit is going to have schematically, I think, a decent first round matchup. No matter who they play, yeah, they should be they at need, home because they're going to win a division. What do they need to do? They need to run the ball. And if they get the Eagles, if they do get the Eagles somehow, Philly's given up 150 rushing yards per game, which is dead last in the NFL since week 10. Uh, just, and that's our next little segue. But it, look, I'm looking at the playoff picture, right? Who could Tampa, the, the worst, the worst defensive, the worst matchup for what Detroit wants to do is shockingly Tampa Bay. Because they're a funnel defense, and they're going to go out and stop the run. Clearly, when you make Jared Goff drop back and pass, he just really can – you, 
can he win your game? I mean, he's been downright bad on multiple. He had some hard throws in this game, terrible decisions. I mean, you can point your finger at golf a little bit in this one too. Uh, you really can. He should be your game manager, and he wasn't really managing. Um, so he has some meltdowns. They don't want Tampa Bay, and I know that sounds ridiculous. Uh, they also don't want the Saints. They've been a little worse against the run. But Tampa Bay, elite run defense, uh, that's how they roll. I think, surprisingly, that'd be like a tougher matchup. You could run the ball against Philly. You can run the ball against the Rams. The Packers' biggest void defensively uh, is also on the ground. So, like I said, and like you said, these tier two teams, it's a really fun idea to have one of them win the Super Bowl. All the cards and matchups have to break their way. Maybe it'll happen for one of them. Uh, we're not sitting here and saying the Lions, the Cowboys, Miami, even the Eagles can't win the Super Bowl and get hot. With the right matchups, anything's possible in the No Faith League. Detroit is looking like they're going to get a favorable first-round matchup, and we've talked about it. Maybe they're not ready this year. If they win a game, that's awesome for them. I don't know if Dan Campbell's the long-term answer there, but uh, it, I, I'm you know the more I look at it, maybe I'll sprinkle in Detroit a little bit if they're going to draw a nice first-round matchup. We'll see. Um, but the Eagles, the Eagles, the Eagles, the Philadelphia freaking Eagles. It's the same garbage I hear them say after every game. What's a learning experience? We'll grow from it. We'll learn from it. It's, it's January 1st. You're going to be learning straight into 2024, 2025 at this point. There's too much talent there for them to be this dysfunctional. Even uh, I love watching Baldy's breakdowns, Brian uh, Baldy on Twitter. NFL guy for a long time, and he's basically you know throwing out videos. Why can't you just pound the rock behind this offensive line who should move people? They're better when DeAndre Swift is going, and they are just too damn good, too much talent on this team to be so dysfunctional and not close out games. The defense is downright bad, but the offense has been inconsistent uh, for most of the season. Yeah, they put up a 30 spot, but I, I get it. Like, what can you do at that point? But, man, there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of question marks about Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni. At this point, the defense is probably a lost cause. And um, clearly they're, they're not saving anything from tape for the playoffs because they've needed to win some of these big games. They needed to hold off the Cardinals to win the division, essentially. And uh, they didn't. And they're really not showing much. They had Hassan Reddick dropping back into coverage. I think he played coverage the most that he played all year. I mean, they're trying some different things, but listen, you don't want Hassan Reddick in coverage. It's not what he does. You want him he's on the field. He was supposed to rush the passer. So, I mean, they're trying some different things. It's just, uh, it's just, it's disappointing. I get it. They have double digit wins, um, but you can't talk to any Eagles fans and say they're, they're thrilled with the way the season's going. If the Eagles get in and get hot. They're, they're, they're as live as anybody. Right, You have guys that can break a game open on that team on the offensive side of the ball. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts. Get DeAndre Swift going. I think he's the, the focal point here. I'm not saying he's a saving grace to this team. Uh, but by the way, or on Monday morning, Happy New Year, Josina Anderson dropping a cryptic tweet saying, changes circling in the NFC East. One potential move would be unexpected. Could it be coming out of Philadelphia? I don't know. But where do you gauge Philadelphia it's just, you know what that, the, here's maybe an analogy, Chief, and then I'm throwing it over to you. We talk about all these NBA super teams teaming up, and there's so much talent, can't figure it out. There's only one basketball. I'm not saying that the Eagles are the Brooklyn Nets when the whole debacle, we've seen you know, with 
James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. No. Um, but we've seen a lot of really talented teams kind of flop because they just can't get the chemistry down. Maybe it's Brian Johnson. I mean, A.J. Brown's route tree is kind of baffling. Like, they, they should be calling so many more passes over the middle, slants over the middle. Look what Tennessee and Arthur, it's, uh, okay, I know no one wants Arthur Smith praise, but that whole Titans offense was crossing patterns, P.A. over the middle with Corey Davis and Marcus Mariota. You have Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith on the other side. Send our guy on some drags and some over-the-middle play-action stuff. Come on, be better. I think it starts with coaching. Will we see a change? I don't know. I don't know what Joe Cena's cooking up. What are the Philadelphia Eagles to you, Chief? Uh, the Eagles to me are a team that are possibly out in the first round. Um, and look, I mean, I, I mean, what, what do you want, what do you want me to say? I mean, they they haven't been good. They played the uh, they played the Giants this week. They should beat the Giants, but I don't know. They they should beat the Giants, Luch, but but we don't know. The Cowboys get the Commanders, and both of these teams are on the road. Now I'm expecting Dallas to beat the Commanders for what it's worth. I am not expecting Dallas to lose, but the Eagles, I'm not sure, and that is a problem, Luch. That that's that's a big problem, and so who do you like the Eagles to beat in terms of playoff teams in the NFC? Because right now, Luch. It's them and the Cowboys. It's the 49ers and the Rams. It's the Lions, and it's going to be one of the Buccaneers or the Saints. Who do you feel confidently saying that they could actually be first round of the playoffs? And I think confidently the answer is, I don't know. Or no one. I think they're the most volatile team in the playoff picture. I wouldn't be shocked if they won the freaking Super Bowl. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they were out in the first I round. would be shocked if they won the Super Bowl. I wouldn't and be I'm, shocked. Here's why I'm saying that, Luke. Their defense has been dreadful. Like, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Their offense has actually been fine. Like, yeah, maybe they stall out sometimes, but generally speaking, their offense has been able to put up points. Their defense hasn't been able to stop a nosebleed. Yeah, that's a problem. That, that, um, that's really what it comes down to. And you're saying, okay, we got to line up and play Dallas. We know that Dallas can put up points. We got to line up and play the, the, the Lions. The Lions can put up points. And the, and the thing is, Luke, if they play any of these teams, they're going to have to be on the road outside of unless they win a division, which they they win and Dallas wins, and I think they win a division. But – you get you get my point here. Like they're gonna I have do. to be on the road playing a playing a team, and all these teams can score points, maybe outside of the Buccaneers and the Saints, like generally speaking. But if you get them, if you gotta get them at home, if if they happen to not win the division, is what I'm saying. If you gotta get them at home, anything can happen. I, I just think if you're betting on talent, I think anything really can happen. And if they kind of really you know, focus on the run game. I think they have some uh, Super Bowl upside still with how dysfunctional they've been. But I think they're super volatile. But when you're getting, you know, 10 to 1 on them, 12 to 1 on them, 13 to 1 on Bet Rivers, you start to think a little bit. But they they clearly have issues. But but so does every team in Tier 2. 
But I think if if you're looking for a one tier two team where I'd be the least surprised that they, you know, got to the Super Bowl, it'd probably be Philly. I I don't know. I don't know what Josina's cooking up. Um, we'll spend two minutes on the Josina Anderson tweet, and then we'll talk about some of these big games before we get out of here. Yeah. Who could it be? Could it be? Look ahead. This week is a little bit different because all these games aren't important. So I want people to understand that. Like, there's only to me, there's only a handful of important games this week. And two of them happen to be in the NFC uh, East. Two of them happen to be in the NFC South. Outside of that, for the NFC, we got nothing. And then in the AFC, you know, we got one. So we were talking about this Josina Anderson tweet about whatever the potential hush-hush shakeup surprising move would be in the NFC East. Two in the AFC, I'm sorry. Two in the AFC. Maybe three if you want to include the Jaguars beating the Titans to solidify the difference between the Texans and the Colts. Because the Texans and the Colts play each other all nine and seven. You get what I'm saying? So three games essentially, but there you have it. So who? what could the shakeup be in the NFC East? Chief and I both agreed that Ron Rivera was too obvious. That would yeah, not be gone. surprising. Yeah. We're expecting the – Ron Rivera has been relieved of his duties after the final whistle of next week's games, probably. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they give him a little longer to clear out his desk. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Ron has been a good member of – he's a good guy. It's just – I think his coaching career may be – it may just be time. Like, honestly, Ron probably should have taken some time off after leaving Carolina. He pretty much went straight to Washington because he wanted to coach. But he probably should have taken some time off. But – to, to, you know, stay in that vein. We don't think it's Ron Rivera because we feel like he's the obvious, hey, I'm gone. We did kick around some scenarios with Washington where we say, hey, Ron's out, and then um, Eric Bien-Aimé. uh Eric Bien-Aimé is now named the head coach with some form of an, a real extension to give him time to get this team together. That may, maybe, but that almost wouldn't be controversial enough to be big changes because if Ron's out and they bring up the enemy, that's big news for the enemy, but it's, I don't think anybody's going to be completely caught off guard. Here were our caught off guard scenarios and they all revolved around these three teams, the Giants, the Eagles, the Cowboys. Big firing would be Mike McCarthy. We don't think that's going to happen. Nope. I, I, we we don't think McCarthy's out the door. Uh, we just we just we just don't. I, I don't. I, we don't see that. Like you just can't shake up that much continuity, even even with Philly. You know, you want, I know you're going to go to Philly next. You're talking about two teams that are you know are have Super Bowl upside. Can can yeah. the head coach right now? Yeah, and we talked about Sirianni, and we we kicked the idea around, but th- this team is still going to the playoffs. So. There's no way we think Sirianni's gone. Even even um, Brian Johnson, I know a lot of a lot of people aren't thrilled with his offensive uh, play calling, and he's a guy who was supposedly coveted around the league to be a potential head coach. And I don't know, watch the Eagles tape, and, and you probably won't be too happy. I wouldn't hire him, not right now. Yeah. So, but no, so, I don't think you can just say you're not calling plays heading into the postseason when they've had so much in place. So, kind yeah. of ruling out Eagles stuff too. Right. Right. So. Right. So we came to the conclusion in a, in a nutshell, folks, process. And look, it could be something totally different. 
maybe an owner is leaving. Maybe maybe something like that is happening. That the okay, this would be the biggest news, Luce. The biggest news of all would be the Jones family selling the Dallas Cowboys. And that is not happening. Okay. That would probably that would be that would be the shot heard around the world. Okay. That's not happening. So we came to the conclusion that if it's gotta be big, Brian Dable may be out as the New York Giants head coach. If if that's if it's if it's something interesting, that was our I don't want to say both of our conclusions, but just kind of going through process of elimination, maybe that's something that could be brewing under the surface. I mean, sure, you wanna you wanna give him a free pass for Daniel Jones, that's fine. But also you could say you guys stuck with Tommy DeVito, who threw for two hundred yards just once in six games. Tyrod Taylor has three 200-yard games, and one was in the pouring rain. He does damage with his leg. They've been hell of a lot more competitive with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. Uh, and Vegas agreed when Taylor was named the starter this week. That spread uh, crept a little towards the Giants. So, And they were kind of a fringe playoff team. Maybe you give Tyrod Taylor QB2 duties instead of Tommy Cutlets. Maybe the outcomes are a little bit different. And, of course, man, tough one to swallow with the block field goal yesterday. Uh, for the Giants, who almost knocked off the Rams, who uh, are uh, most likely a playoff team in the NFC. So, tough one. Tough one for the Giants. It could be. It could be. Um, what about Martin Mayhew? GM of the Commanders since 2021. That could, I mean, it's not. he's not an exact household, you know, huge name, but uh, maybe, maybe he's out as GM of Washington. I'm not sure. They're clearly unhappy with everything. Sam Howell, still tough to grade Sam Howell. He had weapons, um, but, you know, they're putting Jacoby in. For, I mean, I don't know. It's just a debacle there as well. I'm with you, though. I, 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 it's still, it would be surprising. So I guess Joe Cena handled that well in terms of verbiage. It could be Brian Dable. Tyra Taylor looked great compared to Tommy DeVito. They looked like a... You know, a thorn in the side to many teams. I wouldn't be shocked if they went out there and beat the Eagles. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles won by 14. Like, the Eagles are so volatile. The Giants play a little bit better down the stretch. But listen, that's what happens when you get competent. When I say competent, hear what I'm saying. Tyrod is an experienced veteran, right? So whether you feel like he's a legitimate starter in this league or whatever, like, it's the same effect you get with Jacoby Brissett coming in for Sam Howell. While Sam Howell may have more talent long-term, Jacoby Brissett just understands the game better right now. You get what I'm saying? Same thing for Tyron. He's seen enough football and it's played for some uh, some playoff teams to know how to play quarterback in the NFL, despite some of the miscues he had early in the season, handing the ball off with, you know, eight seconds left at the one or whatever. Like, despite that, Tyrod knows how to play the position and he understands the calls. So, you know, we'll see. My, my guess is something going on with Dable, but I, I could absolutely be be wrong. It could, also be, it could also be that they're just going to move on from Daniel Jones. That could also be huge, even though they're paying him the money. But the, I think the, bigger is Dable's out the door. The food for thought prediction is Brian Dable. We'll yeah, see. There we go. There we we'll go. See. That's it. And, and we talked about Josina Anderson, one of the more reliable reporters. Oh, usually, yes. when she if she if she floats something like that out there, there's typically substance behind it. Typically. Yeah, yeah. She, so, she's not making stuff up. 
for health here. Right. For, just for yeah. just for giggles. Just New Year's. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh-huh. Something's coming. Something's coming. You said there's a few uh, big games here, and just I'm looking at quarterback pricing on on DK. The Eagles are playing meaningful football, so are the Dallas Cowboys because yeah, Dallas still has to take care of business. Jalen Hurts is 8100 against the Giants. Dak Prescott 8K against Washington. Do you think Dallas puts on a show and kind of slams the door on this thing? Are you interested in the Cowboys for DFS? Uh. I don't hate it. Like Dallas should essentially handle business with the commanders. Um, this is a secondary and a defense. They should be able to run it up on. Um, so I, I, I like this spot for Dallas. I think they're good for DFS. Uh, I also think the Eagles are good for DFS because I, I believe the Giants will keep scoring points, which means Philly will have to keep the pedal down. And that's what I'm saying. The difference between these teams right now, I just don't see Philly shutting down anyone. And now you got Tyrod back there. You know, who, who look, he's not going to play a perfect game, but he's going to move the ball. Like, yep. So, Philly is going to have to earn this win. Yep. And by the way, and the Giants are at home. The Giants could win this game. By the way, I'm glad Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and he, uh, and Houston, Indy is a big one for playoff purposes, division title on the line. That was my next. That's why I wanted the AFC Houston, uh, Indy. That's, that's that's Saturday. Yeah. 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 That, but but I'm just saying in general that that's the big one, right. and uh, but Jaguars got to take care of business against the Titans. I yep. would love the Titans to just play spoiler here. No, I won't. Oh, they're they're just we're not we're not talking. I'm not talking Titans. Uh, you know what I'm saying is Will Levis got the offensive lineman new luggage for the holidays. Boy, the irony in that because they're going to be packing and getting new jobs in about two weeks. He, you know they he had a high ankle sprain. They rolled him out there to get reps. Got hurt again. Took the cart off the field. Uh, I, you know, I'm crossing my fingers for Joe Alt or the kid from Penn State. Get Will Levis some protection. Get him another wide receiver. $100 million to spend. Let's have some fun. Anyway, those games are Saturday. And the other big question is, will Baltimore play some starters against Pittsburgh? Another team who doesn't want to see Pittsburgh in the playoffs. You know, another divisional foe. Uh, so we don't have to worry about that for main slate for DFS. Yeah. But very, very interesting to see what uh, Baltimore's going to do with most of their starters. You know, we saw Bradley Chubb playing in a blowout season-ending injury. We've been yeah. a terrible year for injuries. Maybe we'll see Lamar play like a couple series. I don't know. I yeah, really here are my other two, Luch, that, that yeah. I think are very important. And I think you'll agree here. Falcons, Saints, Buccaneers, Panthers. Whoever whoever wins between the Saints and the Bucks, I think, win the division. Do I have that correct, Luch? I think that's the – and both the division. I think that's the scenario. Uh, Saints win, they win the division. Buccaneers win, they win the division. And the irony of this situation, Luke, Saints are at home against the Falcons. I think we're expecting the Saints to win. Buccaneers are on the road against the Panthers, who are the worst team in the division. I think we expect them to win. So who has the tiebreaker? If if Do the Buccaneers have the tiebreaker over the Saints? I can't. If you can't pull it up, it's no problem. But who? if one loses and the other wins, it's a no-brainer. If they tie... I feel like the Buccaneers on the tiebreaker, but don't hold me to that. Uh, I'll have to look it up while we're going here. But the NFL did a good job of flexing the schedule around, isolating those Saturday games. They also, the big one, Miami-Buffalo for the division. And that situation is Buffalo would need Baltimore to beat Pittsburgh or Tennessee to beat Jacksonville to get in if the Bills lose to Miami. So if the Bills don't take care of business, they need a Baltimore win or a Tennessee win. 
That game is Sunday Night Football, Bills-Miami. Two tier two teams with Super Bowl upside. Marbles on the line for the division title. Miami better win this game. That, that's all I can tell you. I don't know, Chief. No, no, no. Don't, no, no. don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm saying Miami better win this game. I agree. Three-point spread. This, this you want to be playing at home. You want to be playing at home in the playoffs. Correct. This is this is what it's going to take for them to to I think get out of the first round. They better win this game. So for the because Saints, if, they, if they don't, they're in big trouble. I think for their playoff lives. I agree. Sorry to cut you off. My ADHD is kicking in. For the Saints to win the title, they would need to beat the Falcons and have the Buccaneers also lose. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying. The Bucks own the tiebreaker. So if over the Bucks everybody, win, right? So if it if the Bucks right. win, it doesn't matter. The Saints are out, right? But Same deal for the Falcons, obviously. Right, but the Saints um, have to win, and the Bucks would have to lose for the Saints to get in because now they have a better record, and they would have just won a division game. Yeah. So the and Bucks, I love they, I, the NFL did a superb job. Play, having these games going on at the same time, right? Falcons beat the Saints. They're also eyeballing the scoreboard with the Carolina Bucks game as well. For a terrible division, it's kind of fun that all three of them could, you know, two of them are going to be out of the playoffs completely. One of them's going on to potentially play spoiler. And I kind of hope it's the Bucks. Not going to lie. Not gonna lie. I'm yeah. kind of pulling for the Bucks here. I, 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 honestly, I'd like to see Baker. And I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. As you know, he's played with the Panthers last year, went over to the Rams. I wasn't a Baker fan. Uh, but I'd like him just as a, a competitor. Listen, man, for all intents and purposes, Baker is starting to have a solid little NFL career. And it looks like he's probably going to be the buck starter next year. You know what I'm saying? Like, Luch, he played well this season. Finally, probably this is probably the most competent offensive coordinator he's had since he's been since he's been playing football in the league. And I mean, look at the results. And, and, and honestly, I want Baker to hit his incentives as well. Like, it, if he can close out the week strong, I think he'll get at least another 500K in incentives. Like, I'm pulling for him, man. I, I want to see him in the playoffs. Uh, I definitely think this team is is interesting. You know, I might as well run these other ones down here: um, yeah. Bills, Jaguars, Colts, Texans. All control their own destiny. Need to win. Steelers need to beat Baltimore, and they need the Bills to lose to Miami. To get into the playoffs. playoffs. Correct. Um, we talked okay. about the NFC South. But but if the if the the Ravens don't need any any anything, right? Like they've already locked it all up. Correct. Do you think Correct. the Ravens sit? This is a question. Do you Correct. think the Ravens sit their big guns this week? Good question. Kind of touched on that. Maybe Lamar gets a series. I don't know. Um, yeah. big question. Uh, the other couple of the other ones are Seattle needs to beat the Cardinals and have the Packers lose to the Bears, and then Seattle will get a wild card berth. That's that's definitely possible because the Bears have been playing good football last couple weeks. Packers need to beat the Bears, and they're in. We'll see. So we have a couple more NFC. If you're looking for construct your DFS lineup around games that mean something, just you know go back and play this. You know, 90 second segment once or twice to get it ingrained in, in your brain. And the the last big one, the Vikings are still alive. RIP to my showdown teams. I had Jaron Hall. I, I nailed a lot. I'd, I went with Bo Melton. Everyone else was going. Uh, Malik Heath. I had Bo Melton and Flex. I had um, 
Who else did I have? Uh, Jordan Love. I went Jefferson captain, unfortunately. I had Johnny Munt, who scored his second career touchdown. And uh, freaking Jaron Hall got benched. Back to Nick Mullins. Anyway, if the Vikings somehow get in with their quarterback carousel and got a feel for them, because with Kirk Cousins, this would be a totally different conversation. And TJ Hawkinson. They've been through the ringer this year. The Vikings need to win at Detroit, have the Packers to lose to Chicago, have Seattle lose to the Cardinals, and have the Saints lose to the Falcons. So you might want to start thinking about next year, Vikings fans. Sorry. Seems like a lot. Yeah. So that's it. So you do have some some teams that are not giving up hope. Probably some more teams than we initially thought like playing some form of meaningful football here. And, uh, you know, the other for DFS conversation, the other thing is uh, what's San Francisco going to do against the Rams? And see, you know? that, that's another interesting the, – see, so the Rams have already clinched wild card, by the way. Rams have already clinched, and 49ers have already clinched the conference, not just the division. Right. They clinched the conference. So Same. they have no reason. Luch, if they play these starters and somebody gets hurt, boy, oh, boy. Like, I don't think they have any reason to, to do this. So I feel like they I feel like they sit there, guys, especially with McCaffrey getting banged up. Doesn't it feel like they sit these guys, let Trent Williams get another week of, of, of uh, uh, rest and, and, and relaxation and treatment? You know, I, I it feels like they should sit there, guys, or no more than a half. I feel like the Rams, I don't know what the tiebreaker situation is with the Packers, but if the Packers win and the Rams lose, they're both nine and eight. I have too many tabs open. But but the Rams have already clinched the wild card. They already Correct. Correct. Yeah. But I don't know. Would you rather play potentially Dallas? Or Honestly, honestly I don't think the Rams care. I don't think they care either. <laughs> to be honest I think, they, I think they know what they got and they're rolling with yeah. it, man. Yeah, I don't think they care. Yeah. Matt Stafford, pretty cheap. I mean, if – if boy, I, if San Fran pulls the plug, I mean, you have a $6,300 Matt Stafford. This is why – this if, there, if there's a show where we're not going to look ahead much, it's this one because I'm sure we're going to get reports Friday, Saturday, who's going to sit, who's not going to play because a $6,300 Matt Stafford – much different scenario going against all the one all the ones on San Fran than the twos. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and maybe LA will play their guys. You know, keep it going. I mean, I feel like they're thriving on momentum right now. I know it kind of sounds stupid, and some people wonder if momentum's even really a thing. But I would keep it flowing, right? God, and of course, so bad. <laughs> uh, of course, you look at running back, and you have to wonder about McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell might scream value. Uh, I, I don't think good. there's any way McCaffrey plays this week. Right, right. Like, he is not playing. That's one right. person I feel confident saying he's on the sideline with the with the headset on, listening to the play calling, not on the field. Yep. yep. Uh, i tell you what, I like Saquon at 69. I like DeAndre Swift at 68. Uh, I, I'm just hoping they lean on the ball, on running the ball a little bit more against the Giants. Kenneth Walker, forever carrying a questionable tag, looked pretty good last week. Seattle needs the game. He's 6,500 against Arizona. Love the spot for Kenneth Walker. Um, could be Derrick Henry's last game as a Tennessee Titan. Are you into narratives? 
Luke, can, can we get 200 yards out of Derrick Henry this week? Can we get like man. one last hurrah? Luke, I'm really does. sorry, man. I, I would love it, but <laughs> that offensive line is so bad, and I cannot wait till they pour some funds into it in the offseason. And we and how are these, you know, some of these teams we talk about, how are they surviving? You go back podcast from a month ago, Minnesota, Christian Darisaw, the offensive line, like the Browns, bookends on each side, right? Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller. I need Tennessee to go get someone else with Peter Skaroski because it's so unfair to, you know, an offensive line just, just makes an offense. They really do. For as disgruntled as, as Philly has been, that line is still keeping them more than afloat in the NFC. So get Will Levis a damn line. It's amazing Derrick Henry's had a thousand yards behind this offensive line. D hop, thousand yard receiver. Ryan Tannehill, you know, poor guy got thrown back in there. He's never once said anything negative about, like, he's Mike Vrabel tuned in, and he basically said, yeah, there are plays I didn't even have a shot out there. What does he care? He's not coming back to Tennessee, right? So to hear Tannehill say our line sucks uh, was pretty funny. Yeah. And I just don't see it, man. The Jags have a decent run D. They're they're kind of a a funnel to the pass. I know he's killed them historically, but wouldn't hold my breath, man. Sorry about that. Sorry about that season-long bed going on there. Yeah. So there's just a lot to unpack here. Hopefully this segment helped fill in some of the blanks into who's playing some meaningful football. But, I mean, you're going to have to pay for the Cowboys, but they make a lot of sense to, uh, you know, keep the division. And uh, Washington is just kind of a mess. I can't wait to hear what this NFC East Josina Anderson news could be, but we won't be here to talk about it. Not exactly sure when this podcast will be uploaded. Maybe the... Maybe the uh, the verdict will be out by the time it's on the web, but we're here on Monday afternoon, and maybe our Brian Dable prediction will be right. Who knows? Who knows? Do you have a story time or a New Year's resolution or anything fun uh, of that nature? Well, for me, you know, what I will say is I had so much uh, um, fun this weekend. My girls were here. And uh, we got a chance to watch Candy Cane Lane, the new Christmas movie with Eddie Murphy on uh, Prime. And so that was good. And uh, it's just always good to hang out with family, man. So that's that's kind of my, my story time. Because you won't forget those moments, you know, um, later on in life. You know, uh, one of the uh, – there's a, uh, a, lady my, a lady from my church. Um, she always says, make good memories. Make good memories. And uh, I think the key word is you have to make the memories. Um, and that means you have to be intentional about trying to create them. And so I think that's what I'll share with everybody. Try to be intentional about creating memories because they'll always be with you, man. Hopefully, they'll always be with you. I like that, that's man. What I, 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 need, I needed that. This was uh, the first New Year's without my cousin who passed last uh, last February. And uh, that was my that was my wingman. Uh, he was in his early fifties, uh, unexpected. But uh, I lived with him for a while too. He, him, and his his girl bought a condo uh, in Brigantine outside of Atlantic City. So, boy, that was that was a lot of fun during that stretch. I mean, if you have that one friend who you, or family member who you love watching sports with, you know, and and he and Dave loves sports betting. Uh, that was my guy. You know, uh, we were we were always together watching the games and, and just having a good time. Um, so this was my first New Year's, you know, since he's been gone. And, you know, I I have some friends, decent friends. 
but uh, I never get invited to like New Year's home party, not multiple New Year's house parties anymore. So I got like invited. We got invited. Uh, Taylor and I got invited like to five parties. <laughs> kind of just felt like hanging out. So we did dinner um, with her parents. And uh, I don't know. It was kind of a nice little like reflection time for me just thinking about things. And uh, it's so it's so strange when, you know, you get older and you go through the holidays and, you know, the more people you lose. Um, you know, year after year, but you know, you also gain new people in your life and you have to be you know, thankful for those. And, you know, you want to create new memories, like you said, but also kind of honor those that aren't here. And it's just a strange line. You, you know, you continue to walk right as time goes on and, um, you know, so looking forward to 2024 and continuing to honor Dave and, and some others that aren't here, but also, you know, creating new memories because that's exactly what, you know, the good people in your lives would be doing and, and also want you to do so. Uh, hopefully it's a profitable, fun 2024, and uh, I'm I'm pumped about food for thought. I love chopping it up here, and uh, it's a, it's maybe it's a, a silver lining. There's no NBA food for thought because there's so much drama in that league every week. We'd probably have a four hour pod. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure, for but sure. New Year, same pod, babies, just us and. If for some reason this was your first Food for Thought episode experience and you're like, what is this crap? There's plenty of uh, analytics on RG, scores and odds, awesome stuff. This is kind of a let's hit the reset button. We're recording on a freaking Monday. I don't know who's playing Saturday, Sunday or Monday at this point, right? We don't know where the weather's going to be. There's so many other factors. It's kind of a clear your head pod. Let us join you while you hit the gym, while you're folding your laundry, right? While you're in your car driving. And we wouldn't be here without all you guys for another year. So thanks to everybody. I know we've made some friendships through the DMs, through some of our listeners. It's been a blast. And uh, thanks for letting us hit the barbershop talk with you on Food for Thought. Will we be back for the playoffs? I'm thinking we will, right? We were in the past. Yeah, yeah. At, at least at least one or two weeks, I think. Yeah. Okay. We'll at least back. one or two weeks. Chief Justice 06 on Twitter. That's Will. I'm Justin at the J Carlucci. Hit us up sometime. Until then, Chief, you got anything else? Nah, man. I'm just grateful to be here and uh, just just thank you guys for for listening to us, man, and, and inviting us in. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. See you next week on the Food for Thought pod- Podcast. Thanks for tuning, in, everybody. Good luck.